as a 14 year old i'd wake up at 4 a.m i'd catch the truce metro bus up to paseo and that way i could get there by 6 a.m and get in and you lift weights for an hour and then i would go to school and, and me and another one of my friends we were literally the only two people on the team that did that that on that consist of a basis of uh, the entire off season which obviously i feel like helped to get to varsity level on on the the next year so earlier i said that i, w- I was in all of the theater productions in high school and which is true I, w- I was but i was also varsity football player at the exact same time fitness kind of changed my life right like i i was overweight kid being made fun of and, and fitness kind of came in and like really helped to to shape my life in a corporate world where all employees have great leaders with no egos that create fun cultures where people can do their best work the employees and companies thrive while doing great things for the customers, themselves, and each other. Well, we know that rarely happens. I'm Jeff Palaccio. I have been a leader for over 40 years for every t-shirt size company from small 16 employees to extra large over 1 million. Please join me while I interview outstanding leaders that will share stories of great leadership and not so great. It will help you become a better leader while poking fun about all the crazy shit that happens in corporate America. Hi, I'm Joe Deshawn, and welcome to The Corporate Couch with Jeff Palaccio. Today, Jeff is interviewing Brandon Calloway. Brandon is the CEO and co-founder of Generating Income for Tomorrow. As someone who grew up in the urban core of Kansas City, He has long been committed to finding ways to create transformative change in the areas of the city that needs it the most for residents that reside there. Brandon has spent the last 10 years of his career in the business and nonprofit sectors, and he uses the combined experiences of those two worlds to drive the work happening at GIFT and to have a direct impact on closing Kansas City's racial wealth gap. By day, Brandon is the CEO and co-founder of Generating Income for Tomorrow a nonprofit trying to have a direct impact on closing Kansas City's racial wealth gap by giving grants and technical assistance to black businesses. When he's not doing that, he's a husband, father, and the founder of Dark Moon Comics. Brandon is the writer and creator of many titles of Dark Moon Comics, including Black Spartans, Reign of Chaos, Michael, and more. You can find out more about Brandon by visiting Kansas City GIFT Dot org. Let's listen as Jeff talks to Brandon. Brandon, welcome to the corporate couch. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. You're uh, the only, uh, the second guest uh, that I've interviewed so far that I've actually worked with, although it was a, I know it was a brief time, but we'll get into that a little later. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to have you. You're doing some great things for the Kansas City community. It's just, uh, yeah, it's an honor to have worked with you and, and know you. Um, Thank you. So uh, let's chat about, uh, I'd like to go back to uh, our formative years when we're growing up. You know, when you were growing up as a kid, what did you want to be when you became an adult? What was your kind of dream? The The job that I wanted to have was, uh, was a Hollywood actor. And so I remember I was three years old and I was sitting in front of the TV and I used to think that when you watch TV, the people on TV were 
just like little people inside of this box and like you change the channel and they just ran off and then changed stuff and then came back and like that they lived in the tv uh and when i like i found out that like they're just actual people that are you know somewhere really far away and that are recording this and it's just being shown on on the tv and that you know that like it wasn't this different world of people right. living in this box. It was it was you know my world. Right. Like oh, I could be on TV, and so <laughs> and so three years old thought about wanting to become a become a a, a Hollywood actor, uh, and then actually all through my my childhood, my, the first play I was in was um, uh, the Wizard of Oz. I was a flying monkey in the the Wizard of Oz in nice. uh, fourth grade. Uh, and and then I went to Paseo High School of Fine and Performing Arts, and I was a theater major there, and uh, and competed in a few Shakespeare competitions, and did oh, wow. all of the the theater stuff uh, there, and and then I got three three college scholarships for uh, for theater, and so, but I ended up not. You know, things happen. I didn't leave to go to Hollywood to to pursue becoming an actor and, and i told myself well if i can't if i can't do it on the biggest screen in in the in the world uh and on the biggest stage in the world then i don't want to do it uh and i stopped uh stopped acting completely wow who was your favorite actor growing up uh my favorite actor growing up i don't think i had one i don't think i had one i was focused on myself yeah, <laughs> I, I really, I really was. I, I mean, in elementary school, I started writing the Brandon Calloway show, uh, nice. and it was literally just set up, set after uh, like the TV show Martin, uh, Martin Lawrence, the the uh, the comic. Uh, it was like kind of that same you know, thirty minute sitcom type thing. I probably plagiarized a whole bunch of it. Yeah, right. Because uh, <laughs> I was in elementary school. Yeah, it was a good show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you and I worked together at United Way, Greater Kansas City. Uh, uh, right. Uh, I started in December of 9, 2019. So right before the pandemic. Yeah. And then uh, we all in, in March, we all pivot and Zoom uh, meetings become a part of our life. What is the craziest attire you've seen? Or lack of attire you've seen on a Zoom call? On a Zoom call, uh, probably robes. Like seeing people actually be in, you know, staff meetings in robes. Uh, that was kind of crazy. Uh, but other than that, I don't, I don't know if I've seen anything. No, robes is a good one. I, uh, we have <laughs> wow. not gotten the robes answer before. So uh, yeah. I asked this question of all the guests. So um, I, I'm proud to say I've never wore a baseball hat on my head during any zoom meetings <laughs> march whatever it was 16th of 2020 yeah that's been my claim to fame and yeah. i have been fully dressed uh, uh each time um yeah so let's let's talk about a little bit about united way um I, just because i that was my only uh not-for-profit experience uh where i actually worked as a w-2 employee but uh, mm -hmm. I'm I'm interested to hear you know your learnings there and how you uh, turned you know what was your biggest learning at United Way and how did you apply that to when you founded uh, gener generating income for tomorrow the the gift uh, organization. 
Yeah, uh, I think my biggest learning at United Way. So a little, it was kind of a unique situation in that when I when I took on the position, so I was a manager, a volunteer, uh, and donor engagement. And the person that had the position before me obviously left, and and then they moved the and they moved the position from our community impact department over to our uh, fundraising department, and so a lot of the the stuff had changed, and the the people that I reported to nobody had experience in volunteer management, <laughs> and I was a volunteer manager, and. Uh, and so there was literally nobody there to teach me the job at at all. Uh, so, so uh, you know, I, I, and that's not really true. Julie Riddle was was still there, and I, you probably remember Julie. And Julie, you know, kind of gave me a little bit of insight from uh, the the previous the previous you know, stuff there. Uh, and, and so I had to do a I had to do a whole lot of you know just searching and and finding and. and like learning about this position and about about the nonprofit world kind of on my own um and you know I, prior to that i spent 10 years in in fitness and uh i ended up running gyms and, and and all of that so i was familiar with the you know the business and corporate world so i, th I think the the biggest thing that i've learned from there is that you know the the nonprofit industry is it has a lot of like really, really stark parallels to the the corporate industry, and you know, and when we're looking at for profits and and business, uh, and so a lot of the things that it takes to be successful in a for profit, it also takes to be successful in a non profit, uh, eh, which differs a little bit from. So when you're on the outside looking into non profit, it, it sometimes feels like you know an entire bleeding heart industry. And that you know, that the motivations are a little bit different than for profit, and and so just being being at United Way, I, I quickly learned that uh, while you know a lot of the return is community impact, that there there is still you know, a lot of business acumen that goes into running and maintaining a an effective uh, nonprofit, and specifically that sales and fundraising you know are are require a lot of the exact same skill sets and tapping into what's important to people and helping to be able to bridge that gap and what's important to them and uh what what your you know monetary ask is if i'm asking you for money to buy a heart rate monitor versus asking you for money to donate to my nonprofit organization uh it takes the same kind of skill set to be a, be able to uh to make that ask have value to that person. Sure. So, uh, yeah, you talked about your fitness uh, journey. Uh, I believe you, uh, you, when you graduated high school, you uh, went to Avila and you had your, uh, you were in a, a fitness type major. T tell us what made your decision there. Yeah. So, so my, I mean, the, that that's, it wasn't as direct as that, but, um, so I was I was an overweight kid in middle school, uh, and got made fun of a lot for being that overweight kid. And then when I got into high school, one of my best friends wanted me to you know join the football team, and so you know I did. I joined the football team, and then I was about to quit the football team, and 
uh he convinced me not to quit and uh, the uh the coaches even said at the end of the year they said they had no they had no faith that I would make it through the through the first season of you know freshman freshman football and I ended up you know if you know anything about football and about positions I ended up being the middle linebacker for our, our uh freshman you know team and uh and so I was a captain of our defense uh and then my sophomore year, I was the starting, I was a starting outside linebacker for our varsity football team. And, and you know, and, then, and so after the end of, you know, that, that freshman football season, we, we had, there's all, obviously all these other sports in, and I was like, well, I'm not playing basketball, you know, it, it's, it, it, you know, I, I, as a football player, I thought I was above playing basketball. And, and, uh, and so all I, you know, all I did was go to the, we had a weight room. Uh, I went to, I went to our weight room. And so as a 14 year old, I'd wake up at 4am. I catch the truce Metro bus up to, to Paseo. And that way I could get there by 6am and get in and you lift weights for an hour. And then I would go to, go to school and, and me and another one of my friends, we, we were literally the only two people on the team that did that, that on that consistent of a, of a basis, uh, the entire off season, uh, which obviously I feel like helped to get to varsity level on, on the, the, the next year. Um, and, and so, so, you know, earlier I said that I, I was in all of the theater productions in high school, and which is true, I, w I was, but I was also, you know, a varsity football player at the exact same time. Yeah, you're like a renaissance <laughs> uh, person. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're not many yeah. you know, are just starting uh, outside linebacker their sophomore year on varsity and have the uh, one of the leads, I'm sure, in the in the in the plays. So that's yeah. phenomenal. Yep, um, yep. And so, so it like fit, fitness kind of. It, it just it changed my like it changed my life right like I I was that overweight kid uh, being made fun of and if fitness kind of came in and like really helped to to shape my life uh, and even in high school I, I was community focused uh, and so we would see the big team the Rockhurst and the, the the teams that would always make nationals I'm like man what do they have that we don't have right we're, we're not we're not getting there and so I told one of my buddies that uh I said I'm like when I graduate I'm gonna I'm gonna become an NFL strength and conditioning coach I'm gonna learn every single thing that those NFL strength and conditioning coaches know uh to to and I'm gonna use all of that to help get you know, get us to the next level. So you go to college, you play college football. I'm gonna learn this, and then I'm gonna come back, and we gonna we gonna we gonna get us to the next level. Uh, and he did. He went and he played college football, and then he dropped out and became a firefighter, and ended up becoming chief, the fire chief, uh, actually. And so he he went on a great he went on a great path. Uh, but so after I graduated high school, I I, I went to Pinnacle Career Institute, became a personal trainer for a year. Or uh, it was a one-year program where, and I got certified as a personal trainer. Uh, then started working as a personal trainer, and then uh, then I actually I went to the army, uh, and so I was a medical nutrition specialist in the army. Came back from the army uh, and went to Avila. And while I was at Avila, I was one of the only students that was already a certified personal trainer that had been working in the industry for years. And so I majored in kinesiology there. Um, ended up finishing with my bachelor's degree in, in kinesiology with a like 
my emphasis was on uh, biomechanics and corrective exercise, as well as uh, um, sports, uh, sports performance. And, you know, even like that, that year after Pinnacle Career Institute, uh, I was 19 years old and I was a strength and conditioning coach for uh, Northeast High School. So I was a, so there were 18 year olds that I was their coach for. And and, um, I obviously didn't tell them how old I was, but, but, but so fitness had always been a, been a, a big, big part of my life coming from, you know, just high school football and getting into the weight room and, and seeing how it had the the ability to you know impact the community by by creating some access to higher education that a lot of my my friends didn't have. So th- when you were working out at fourteen and after that in high school, were you did you have anybody that like even told you how to do you know uh, uh, different exercises, you know, rows or, you know, whatever the proper form, or did you guys just learn from, no, we had our football coaches, right. And if, uh, I'll tell you now, high school football coaches are not, they, they are not, they're not fitness experts. Right? So, and so, and some so of them are know. not even fit. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, I mean, we, we had our high school football coaches and they showed us how to do, you know, bench, how to do squat, uh, you know, everybody thinks they know how to do a bicep curl, so we were doing, you know, we were doing all a whole bunch of bicep curls, and then and then you you get certified and you get the degree in it and learn about the movement and realize a lot of stuff that you were doing wrong and some of the stuff you were lucky to be doing right. Okay, so then you have this career, uh, and I think uh, on Randy Powell's podcast you said you you had forty jobs, so you may be the only guest. Oh, yeah. You had forty jobs. I have. I yeah, have. Uh, yeah. You may least. be the only guest that have that had more jobs than I have. So, I'm, and you're <laughs> a lot younger than me. So that's a, a kudos to you. But I mean, obviously, a ton of learning. But then you um, you kind of pivot. You're in this fitness, uh, trying to help people's lives, right? You want to impact them, right, with their health. Mm-hmm. And then, you, what made you pivot? Uh, to I, I believe you left the fitness industry at least full time to go to United Way. But yep. what was the turning point? Yeah. So the the forty jobs I've had. I mean, I, I've just I've always been a worker, right? Like you know, I wake up I woke up at four a.m. when I was fourteen years old to, to catch the metro to 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 the school to, to lift weights. Uh, so I've always been a a, a worker, uh, and I've always had either two to three jobs at a time. Uh, but when I got into fitness, you know, my whole reason for working. As so being 19 years old as a strength and conditioning coach for a high school football team uh, was to fulfill the promise that I made to to my friend. He was he 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 was already a firefighter, uh, but I hadn't forgot. Like my, I, I said I was going to learn all that stuff and and help young black kids in the inner city get access to college scholarships, uh, not so they can go to the NFL, but so that they can get access to higher education. And, and and so that that was kind of that was my primary goal in getting into to fitness. And you know, at nineteen, we actually did that. We got a few students some college scholarships, and one of them was an engineer now, right? And he got a full ride scholarship. And that's great. But then I had to make money as a as as a trainer, and and so in the fitness industry, uh, it that just it means that you know I, I got further and further away from the community that I was trying to serve, and I ended up 
uh, you know, at one point in time, I was a trainer that was charging $100 an hour to, you know, sit down and, and train with me. And so my clientele became, you know, and a lot of it, it, it was, it was weight loss and people who I was you know, really making an impact on and changing their life or, uh, you know, I said, I specialize in corrective exercise. And, and so, uh, help to uh, get rid of some joint pain and movement pain that made significant impacts on people's lives. Um, but I got a, a, a lot of my clientele were just, you know, fit people who had high net worths that could afford to pay $100 an hour to a personal trainer. Uh, and then, so I got very good at sales. I got very, I got very good at sales and, and, and personal training because I'm selling you, selling you an idea of what you would look like in in the future and what you'll feel like in the future. I don't even have a tangible product that I'm that I'm selling you. Uh and sometimes, I mean we had heart rate monitors and we would sell those and so we has and we had nutritional supplements and I I'd sell those and so I got I got really good at selling. Um and and so eventually I ended up training trainers and and then a guy hired me uh, he owned his own little fitness studio and uh, he wasn't a trainer. He wasn't a fitness expert. And he he just he wanted to step away from it. And and so I came in and I ran the entire thing. And so by that time, I mean, I was writing all the workouts, but I wasn't really training anybody anymore. I was doing all the business to business partnerships. I was you know doing all of the gym membership sales and the personal training sales. Uh, and I was making good money, but I was making money for him and for me. And I, I, I was I, I was no longer training inner city uh, kids to get them higher access to higher education. I hadn't done that in years and I was completely, I was far away from it. And so I quit. I left the fitness industry after 10 years, I left the fitness industry completely. Uh, and I took that, I took a temporary job at United Way making $12 an hour. Uh, so that what I, what I thought is that I could use all the things that I learned in business and in the, in the fitness industry and take them over to nonprofit fundraising where I might be able to have a greater impact on a greater amount of people instead of just using it to sell and make money. And, and so I, I, uh, it's funny when, when I tell the story versus when my wife tells the story, you know, I say that's that time where I didn't have a job and she's like, it was three weeks. <laughs> but it felt like you know 40 jobs for me right it felt like forever because i've always had multiple jobs <laughs> and it's but i i uh just completely stepped away i got uh, serendipitously i got offered a bunch of other fitness jobs in that time frame when i like when i was trying to step away from fitness uh and that came with unrealistically good salaries and i turned them down uh because i wanted to get uh, I knew if I took them I wasn't going to get out of the fitness industry I wasn't going to get into nonprofit like I wanted to and, and and give it a shot and so my wife was supportive of 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 that uh and that's how I found myself how found my way into into United Way United Way actually turned me down the first time uh and then I found I, I made I created connections and uh you know leveraged some partnerships some relationships that I had and ended up with a a temporary job at United Way. Yeah, my memory of you, and I was only there, you know, so literally I started December 16th of 2020. We we start working from home, I believe it was, uh, it was March, March 15th. 15th. Or like, yeah, it was yeah the 14th right in that time frame, 15th, 18th, I remember. 
and uh, we had that office down the you know uh, country club plaza in kansas city and my two memories of you is that you were always out of the office because you were a different volunteer i think events and mm -hmm. this thing and and then two you continued your fitness because you had a you know you had about five or six people and i walked into like the, the I don't know, community room or whatever it was. And yeah. here's you showing everybody how to do a plank. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you still yeah. kept those fitness roots. So yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a, there was a little group of us. So, yeah. uh, you know, as, as soon as they found out that, you know, because by that, at that time I had literally, you know, I just came from fitness. And so when they found that out, right. we, we, did, we did wall sits. Uh, yeah, sits, like yeah. It was like Aaron Gallantine of marketing. I feel I just I yep. remember Aaron and a few other people. Yep, yep. So nine a.m. we did wall sits. Uh, three p.m. we did planks. Uh, <laughs> I love every, it. every day. Small little group of us. Yeah, that was good. Um, so then, so we're you know talking about the pandemic. So you get this idea of gift during the pandemic so walk everybody through that especially you know the people you're you're serving and and why you're serving them yeah so so gift generating income for tomorrow so i'm i'm one of the co-founders of it i have two other co-founders right so a guy named cornell gorman he's our coo and co-founder and then christopher stewart is, is one of our other co-founders um and so chris lives in houston but he's from kansas city uh, and the three of us are in a group on Facebook called BOBKC, and so Black-Owned Businesses Kansas City. Um, and, and so, you know, this was at the time, uh, so he, he made a Facebook post on April 30th, uh, and so it was still early on when, you know, we were thinking, okay, we'll, we'll probably come back to the office sometime. Right, everybody <laughs> thought, yeah, it's, it's a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so... You know, I, I was I was sitting at home, you know, doing nothing, kind of waiting, wait, wait to get back. And um, so I was scrolling through Facebook and you know, so literally April 30th, 2020, scrolling through Facebook. And I saw Chris's Facebook post. And uh, what he said was that, you know, that uh, that when he comes back to visit Kansas City, he was frustrated and not seeing the number of black businesses and black communities that he felt like he should see. And he was like, you know, there's 15,000 people right here in this Facebook group. Uh, if we all put in $10 a month, we can take that money and, you know, grow black businesses ourselves. We don't have to wait on anything. Uh, and so, you know, we were at United Way at the time. That's the United Way model, right? You ask everybody for a little bit of money and, uh, you know, ask a few people for a lot of money, but you ask everybody for a little bit of money. Uh, and you're able to take that and support entire missions on, on, on that. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's not a far-fetched idea. You know, I, I grew up on the east side of Kansas City. Like I said, really focusing on like my first, that first fitness job was all about how do I use my skill set to better the, the community? And my skill set was fitness. And so how do I use that? And so, so I'd always been thinking about how do we, how do we create real transformative change on the East side? Uh, that's not just, you know, young kids, you know, not just early education, not just, you know, the, the, the zero to three year old. So when I saw his Facebook post, you know, it resonated with me and I, I sat there, I didn't even respond to it. I sat there for an hour and I thought of all of the ways that it wouldn't work. Uh, and I came up with a solution for every last way that it would not work. So at the end of that hour, I reached out to Chris and I said, hey, I know you don't know me, but, you know, I, I think that 
this could actually get built into a thing. And he ignored me because I'm some random guy on Facebook, right? (laughs) So why, why wouldn't you? That concludes part one of Jeff's interview with Brandon Calloway. Be sure to listen to part two as Brandon continues his story on how he created Generating Income for Tomorrow here on The Corporate Couch.